You've joined the Digital Transformation Success Podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla McKinney. I consult with leaders around the globe and bring their teams through a digital transformation journey. Realizing digital transformation across an entire organization is key to business success. While the phrase digital transformation is often used, it's not always understood. So we start each episode with my brief working definition. Digital transformation refers to the purposeful integration of digital technology into all areas of a business. It goes beyond technological innovations in that it requires a fundamental mindset shift of how to operate internally and deliver maximum value to customers at scale. When done well, it results in a culture change to an environment where opportunities for digital technology are not missed but are thoughtfully used to change established practices and processes for greater efficiency, flexibility, and profitability. You'll hear from consultants, trainers, executives, innovators, and thought leaders. We will avoid buzzwords, jargon, and leave behind our egos to help you take that next step toward digital transformation success. Let's dive in. I have so many wonderful guests on this show talking about so many different functions and features and niches and verticals and skills and, and plans and strategies about digital transformation. Our small niche of digital transformation really focuses on helping teams and companies to digitally transform their entire way of doing work and especially as it relates to social media. So as soon as we talk about employees and social media, the phrase employee advocacy is a term that gets tossed around quite a bit. And to be honest with you, I think it's a little bit of a joke, but today I'm going to take this episode by myself and hash out a little bit about why and how your team can develop an employee advocacy plan that actually works. So I firmly believe uh, that social media has fundamentally changed the way we live and do business. And I think you would agree with me there. There really isn't a day that goes by that we're not somehow engaged on a social platform. And more than likely, the first thing you do in the morning is reach for your phone. And after you silence the alarm, <laughs> you open your email, your apps, your social media, and you're immediately connected. And your feed is filled with ads, which you're pretty good at scrolling past, um, but you also are looking to see what's going on in your particular field. You're reading posts from friends, from colleagues, you're in connection. And so my point here is that our lives are social and our lives are digital. This is a part of a personal life. It's a hundred percent a standard for business. Now people are on social. I'm not saying that people are digitally transformed and that they know how to work it well. In fact, I truly believe that about 1% of people out there are using LinkedIn properly. And I would use as a proof of that, that we know that only 1% of people when they are requesting to connect with someone on LinkedIn is actually using a customized message. I mean, 1%. So do you want to know how to stand out immediately uh, to anybody you're trying to connect with on LinkedIn? Then send an actual message. Tell them why you're connecting. It's just personal. It's, uh, you know, it's showing your humanity and it really puts you to be one out of a hundred. So there you go. There's an unfair advantage. But I want to talk a little bit about the buyer's journey and how that figures into digital transformation out on social. Interestingly enough, we know through research 
that the B2B buyer is actually 57% of the way through his or her B2B experience before they ever make contact with anyone at your company. Now think about that for a minute. That's very sobering. When you realize your buyer is on a self-directed journey, remember in the morning you picked up your phone and you scrolled past an ad, they also know how to scroll past an ad. They're very savvy. And when they want to do some research or they're interested in a product or they're looking at a particular new way of doing things, whether that is a $20 widget or that's a $250,000 way of researching something at their job, they are going to Google, to LinkedIn, to YouTube, wherever first, right? So that sobering statistic really helps us understand. We really need to cement that in our mind that our buyer is on their own self-directed journey. And largely, they're very good at ignoring any kind of salesy messaging, right? (laughs) So your buyer is going through and creating their long list and then finally narrowing that list down and actually defining their requirements for their purchase without you. That's what's happening when your team is not digitally transformed. So this begs the question, how can your company insert itself earlier into this journey and be a helpful part of your buyer's process? To me, that is at the center of what it means to get your team digitally transformed along the social platform. So I always strive to be helpful to my audience through content, sales methods, messaging, whatever it is that I'm doing, obviously here, even in my podcast episode, I'm trying to say, how can you listen here? And can I provide a piece of value? You may never work with me. You never may never pay me. You may never listen to me. Um, keynote from a stage. You may, you may never run into me again at all, but have I been able to be helpful? Have I built some rapport and have I made some kind of a difference in your life? When we make a difference for people and they do need our service, then we line things up so that they can make a decision for us. So let's talk more about insights about buyers that you really need to be thinking about as you build a digital marketing plan. What does this mean to digitally transform your people? What does it look like to say, I'm going to create an employee advocacy plan? And how does that fit into an overall strategy? Well, just a few stats to kind of help you understand where this sits in, in and where it should sit really in your mind state. 86% of B2B buyers start their journey toward a product with an unbranded search online. If you could see me right now, you could see me. I'm holding my phone and using my thumbs. I don't care how high up on the food chain in a company you are. We use the internet as our primary source of original research, Right. You can't go home without your kid asking you something and your response is, I don't know, Google it, (laughs) right? So let's take what we know about our own lives and understand that this is also the lives of people in B2B situations. What's interesting about that, so if you kind of keep that in mind, 86% of people are starting it by just, they're not asking for your company, they are looking for the thing they're looking for, right? But coupled with that, is that 95% of B2B buyers want to deal specifically with the person identified on social media as the thought leader in that particular field. So what does this tell us? That we need to be seen in order to have people choose us. We need to be seen not only as, oh, another person on social we need to be seen as the expert. That means you have to be building rapport. You have to be involved in engaging conversations and you have to have some of the answers, right? You have to be uh, overtly helpful. 
So my last number I want to share is the number 12. Now, I've argued with a couple of different people on uh, different research studies that maybe this number is more like 14. But my point here, whether it's 12 or 14, is that this is what we know is the number of different pieces of content your average B2B buyer looks at before they make a decision. So my question immediately to clients and prospects is how many of those 12 to 14 pieces of content belong to you are authoritative pieces of content that point back to your company? Are those content pieces building rapport and credibility for your services or your products, your expertise, your whole sales team, your process, your service, whatever it is? And so this is why I wanted to talk today about digital transformation and employee advocacy, because with just these stats, we can see that the answer lies with your employees. So digital transformation when it comes to uh, social engagement with your employees, let me just flash you back to early 2020. I know we all know where we were about February, March of 2020. And I can tell you, I was speaking at a conference. I was in Amsterdam on a stage, and I literally had just talked about how digital transformation was not a thing of the future, but it wasn't even a thing of the present. It was something that was already happening. And many people were merely going along on social, thinking that they had plenty of time to figure out how to work this LinkedIn, and it really wasn't for everybody. But when I got off that stage and someone said the word COVID to me for the first time, I had just explained to people that somebody is already eating their lunch. Their brand is already diminishing. That rapport is not being built and it's being, being missed. Opportunities are being missed and they just haven't been informed yet right? There were some brands who were already online. They were making a difference. They were empowering their employees to be advocates or what I would even refer more to activating their employees to be advocates, meaning creating a fun and a professional environment where their employees can talk about the services and the expertise that they have, because that is amazing. And that is engaging, right? But the reality of this didn't sink in with some companies until far into COVID. And some of them had a big uh, wake up call <laughs> and some of them never woke up. So the landscape has changed. Um, I would have argued the landscape had already changed well before COVID, but now there's just no denying it. Employee advocacy and digital transformation through social media prowess really has to be addressed um, in your team. So people ask me a lot, if I am going to create an employee advocacy program, what should I do? And I really want to let people start with the base that it needs to be authentic. It needs to be self-motivating and it needs to be something that energizes your employees. They need to take ownership of it and they need to see the rewards from it for themselves. It's not about the company saying, hey, you're going to do this and you're going to promote this. And I see this far too often. People think that digital transformation within their employees means they give their employee this blog topic and now you all have to go share it out on social or I'm going to share this now. Everybody go like it. <laughs> that's not genuine connection. That's not true digital transformation. And that's not the way that we can leverage the power that is the millions of people on LinkedIn for B2B uh, competitive advantage, right? So I always tell people, please look at the authenticity of what it is you're trying to do and start with the main components to employee advocacy to make it successful. So in general, you want to look at things that create brand awareness that start giving you an exponential reach. So brand exposure <laughs> comes up next. 
And we can actually talk around products and services and do some recommendations, but we also want to make sure that employees get to advance their own careers and get to showcase their expertise. So it's not all about the company. It's about the person at the company and that kind of authenticity and that kind of individualized expertise is what we know based on research B2B buyers are looking for. I really hope you've been enjoying the Digital Transformation Success Podcast, but you might know me through my position as CEO of Little Bird Marketing. And so you might be scratching your head wondering, wait a minute, why is the CEO of Little Bird Marketing a company that creates digital content for brands? <laughs> we create uh, you know, content uh, systems for lead generation. Why on earth would we be telling your people to get involved in telling your story and saying that that is more credible than simply a company corporate messaging? Well, it's because it's true. We believe there is a place for corporate messaging and proper content and, you know, brand guidelines and uh, really researched uh, honed in messages, but that's not the end of what you can actually do in this marketing environment. Your customers are not waiting with bated breath to hear what your corporation has to say. They don't wake up thinking, gosh, I hope they put out another blog, right? That's totally ridiculous, but we act like that sometimes in marketing departments. People on social are connected to you, maybe your company, but they are connected more humanly and more closely with your employees. And they do want to hear what their friends and colleagues and acquaintances have to say. And we know that people don't want to be sold. They are 16 times more likely to read a post from a friend or a colleague than from a brand. So keep that in mind. Your corporate messaging can serve as fodder or maybe what we would say is a content library for your employees so that when they are activated, they're not kind of left to create all the messaging themselves. They could take something that you've carefully crafted in the marketing department and now put it in their own words and share something. And this is how you take care of employees, help them by, uh, by giving them uh, just a little bit of a leg up and then letting them do and say it in their own words. So you need to give them something in terms of uh, showing that you're willing to invest in them and to teach them the skills that it is going to take to get ahead. And yes, their LinkedIn, their Twitter feed, their career is going to be pushed along. And that kind of goes along with the saying of a you know, rising tide lifts all boats. It's not just for what the company can stand to get. That's really about... Um, the mentality of abundance that we need to come to employee advocacy with. So I would encourage your employees to be authentic and be creative because that's what their connections want to hear, <laughs> right? And when a person regurgitates this brand message verbatim, and it really does seem disingenuous and inauthentic, but if someone is able to tell a story or an anecdote about their business from their point of view, it really creates true conversation. And in that engagement, that's when you begin to bring in a unique audience and you start capturing people that your brand could never reach on their own. So let's talk a little bit about what kind of these kinds of things cost and what you actually could see in revenue. I often get asked, how does this personal connection type of, you know, uh, initiative translate into revenue and how does it translate into cost savings? So I would say at the very start, there's plenty of money to be saved. The revenue value in your employees actually in sharing 
your posts and your content themselves is invaluable. (laughs) Even if only 10% of your employees shared what was happening with your company, that would equate to a lot of money in what we would call earned media, right? So think of your employee advocacy program as free media, but it's not free at the beginning. And I just want to talk to people about, you know, don't be unrealistic that your employees are just going to go take over the world, become influencers without you actually investing in them. Social media is natural, it's credible, it's easy to activate your employees on it because they're already doing it in their own personal life, right? And yes, B2B social has some nuance and some cadence to it, and there is a mindset shift that is involved, for example, talking about ABM, so account-based marketing, or how we could, you know, work through our wish list, or how we could start important conversations in certain small niches of our industry. So there are some interesting nuances, but it's not like people have to learn something they've never touched before, right? So we walk people through an extended period of time, helping them develop their own habits. It's about that muscle memory. It's about changing the way that they look at LinkedIn or Twitter and saying, this is a tool. This is a tool to advance your career and you can advance the brand at the same time. And it can be exciting. It can be fun. It can expand their network for their own personal uses and it gets the brand seen. So just wanted to give you an idea of a case study. We had six people in a cohort At that time, this company, just in the 12 weeks of the actual course, was able to get 26,608 likes or, you know, reactions on their posts. And that was 2,688 comments. I mean, that's a lot of reach, just six people in that 12 weeks. So think of each of those comments as a separate opportunity for a discussion. If someone walks up to you at a party and starts a conversation, you aren't going to just walk away. I mean, if they say something to you, part of digital transformation on social media means, no, we're going to talk to them. We're going to have that conversation. And any one of those conversations could be a game changer. So those same six people during that 12-week period expanded their network by 5,035 new contacts. (laughs) Just six people. That's what they can get accomplished in 12 weeks. So this course teaches people how to meaningfully connect and expand their network And from the posts these people created during the class, they received almost 2 million views, 2 million views, just six people during 12 weeks, right? So the company was able to close a lot of sales from this. And at the time of press today, we're still tracking how that generates into pipelines, but we actually had uh, over a million dollars in sales that generated from this company. And I know what someone's thinking, if they sell something that's $20, I get that that's a widget mentality. But we have companies from very high-end B2B doing $50,000, $250,000, $300,000 type of engagements with people. And people are still people. They are coming to the web. They are on their own self-guided journey. And they want to find out who the thought leaders and experts are in their particular field. If this can happen with six people, what could happen with your company? What if you equipped your entire team with the skills they needed to go out and activate and advocate for the company? If you started doing this correctly, you'd be educating your employees, you'd be including them on what needs to happen to grow the company. It starts an amazing dialogue, and this goes way beyond social influence. It goes really all the way to digital dominance. You can be seen in your industry as the leaders, not because you're a larger company than someone else, but because you're able to leverage social properly.
I do hope you've been able to take away something from this podcast that's been helpful. And maybe it just changes your mind about what's possible on LinkedIn and Twitter. And whether you work with us or not, make sure that you sit your entire team down and talk about what is possible on social. What do you have at your fingertips that is natural and normal in your regular everyday life that could be leveraged for the benefit of their careers and for the brand. So I'd love to see you invest in your employees, bring them into the strategy of what you're trying to accomplish in order to advance the company and do it together. To me, that's a beautiful part of digital transformation and how it is a great connection with employee advocacy. If you want to learn more about our social influence course, you can visit us at littlebirdmarketing.com forward slash DLA. That's Digital Leadership Associates, littlebirdmarketing forward slash DLA. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.